Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Pro wrestling legend Loki has tried to warn us. The WWE is notorious in human trafficking. I'll say it again. Pro wrestling legend Loki tried to warn us. They're notorious for hiring people. Then when they get there, oh, we're going to go in another direction. You called him crazy. Well, you signed a paper. Now you're a slave to them. Difficult to work with. If you downplay the safety of your women and the safety of your children, the environment is going to degrade. But now, I think it's time to start calling him what he really is. Fearless truth teller. This all has to be addressed, but until the public is willing to change, you're just going to see the same negative stuff being amplified and advocated. On the heels of the explosive lawsuit by Janelle Grant against WWE and Vincent Kennedy McMahon, pro wrestling legend Loki is back with even more examples of potential human trafficking. What's that thing that the kids say nowadays? Oh, that's right. Let's go. You're locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. So, brothers and sisters, legitimately, this is, as far as I know, and I've been researching it, and I can't find anyone else, this is the the number one person who has been very explicit on their criticism of WWE, of the wrestling industry in general, and who has named the thing. This is the first person who I've ever heard say human trafficking. This is the first person who I've ever heard say it over and over and define it, (laughs) literally provide the legal definition of what it means in order to further illustrate what they're talking about. So in light of this Janelle Grant uh, uh, lawsuit against the WWE and Vince McMahon and naming a few other names and and not naming some names, but describing people. And if you know, then you know who she's talking about. In light of all that, it only makes sense to bring back the one person who has legitimately been trying to warn everybody. And you all scoffed at him at first. You all tried to disregard it at, at, at second. And then you just legitimately just, he doesn't know what he's talking about and try to pass it off at third. But yet here we are where you have somebody who literally is going through the legal process saying the thing that this guy's been saying all along because she actually personally experienced it. Human trafficking. At least that's what's alleged in a lawsuit. So without further ado, welcome back to Duke Loves Wrestling. Loki, how you doing this, sir? Well, I wish it was under better circumstance. You and me both. You and me both. Listen, Loki, I... I, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for having this conversation with you. I know that for a fact. I know that um, we're going to ruffle a lot of feathers. And I'm willing to to take that chance because I, I truly do feel like there's a lot that you have to say. And you've only scratched the surface the, the times you've been on this show. So we're we're going to dig a little deeper than the surface on this episode here. First and foremost, let me back up for a second. You have uh, alleged and you have called out the industry and specifically WWE for human trafficking. So so let's refresh everybody's memory. And, and, and you know, we, I, I played a clip a little earlier there, um, but I want to get you in real time once again here. What is the definition of human trafficking that you feel applies to what you know about what's happened in the WWE? Just by visibility. 
What is the nature of the WWE? They travel from location to location with people. Are these people treated? Are these people spoken with in professional manner? If you've listened to any of the videos of men and women who have departed from the WWE, how positively do they speak about their time when there? Think about that. Then they disappear for a while and then return. Why? The money's good. That's the motivating force for a majority of those people. Why? Because it is not a wrestling company. It is an entertainment company using the backdrop of wrestling as the bait. You're looking at people who are being convinced to follow whoever's in charge. And it doesn't necessarily mean that everything they're being told is truthful in order to get them to work. So, now getting into the definition, human trafficking and migrant smuggling are global and widespread crimes that use men, women, and children for profit. Okay, well, it's not really children being used in this sense, but the men and women... Okay, that seems a little more reasonable. These crimes take advantage of people who are vulnerable, desperate, which, if you've listened to any of these men and women speak on their own behalf of their own experience, about their experiences in this field of work, it falls in line with people who could be vulnerable. It falls in line with people who could be desperate. Or the third, which is, or simply seeking a better life. Do you think any of those men and women who join the WWE, or any of these companies for that matter, does it seem reasonable that they're trying to, to seek a better life? Now, Listen to all the men and women who depart from that company who have been in interviews on camera. They are giving you insight to the things that they've experienced. And before listening to this or before coming on with you today, I was listening to Chris Jericho talk about the wildest thing that Vince had asked him to do, which was be naked on Monday Night Raw and then have an implication of people going through his gym bag after his match of finding women's clothing, implying that he was a transvestite all in the same night and how he was against it. And he put his foot down and he was, he just wasn't having it when he had to speak to Vince. And I'll tell you, he can say that now. But I've been around for a long time, and those guys from the Attitude Era, they were willing to do things because the money was good. Does it mean that they degraded themselves? Some did. I still fail to see where the entertaining part is where you have a man who's known as a really good professional wrestler having to put his lips on the boss's bare ass in public. That's a humiliation process. So you're basically telling people to follow you from city to city so you can humiliate them. So this is not entertainment. This is open abuse. But these men and women are simply seeking a better life. Listen to the stories, the old stories about Vince's behavior. Jericho was just talking about Vince asking him 
or not necessarily asking him, but implying being naked in front of a whole crowd on a Monday Night Raw. Where would that be appropriate at work? And then in the interview, Jericho describes it as Vince was uh, implying with the women's clothing being in, found in his bag. So he asked them, he goes, so you think I'm a transvestite or you're implying that I'm a transvestite? He goes, you think that's funny? He goes, yes. So he's trying to convince him to humiliate himself for the crowd. This is what I've been trying to warn everybody about. I'm not that. I'm a professional wrestler, a grappler, a fighter at the pro level. What you guys have been witnessing is another version of the Hollywood nonsense that seems to be coming out now. But they all seem to have similar themes. The men and women are abused or taken advantage of. They're crying out for help. But the public is none the wiser. And in turn, they're supporting the abuse. I, I want to challenge you on something. Because you're, you're speaking about experiences that other people, so in, in Jericho's case, I mean, that's on the record. He said it on his, on his show. So there's no question about the fact that a witness who was on the receiving end of, of uh, this ridiculous concept, he, he, he put it out there. Fine. Low key. You personally, in the WWE, and you were a contracted wrestler, you're on television, you wrestled on pay-per-views, the whole nine yards. At any time, did you personally witness in that company human trafficking? That would be all the wrestlers or all the people who are in the ring. The reason being is because they're being told one thing and then when they arrive, things change. And the, everything that we were being told was Vince changes his mind all the time. And he'll contradict himself. And if you say, well, this is what you asked me to do, and he says, no, I didn't. Now you got to be careful because you don't want to insult him. But at the same time, he's trying to see what he can get away with according to him being in charge. Now, when I mentioned a humiliation process, why would any adult male be willing to do some of the degrading things in that company? That's not a, a normal athletic business application. Now, the human trafficking theme, they tell you one thing, and then when you get there, it's not the same as what they, they said. So, I'll give you an example of what they wanted us to do. In NXT... I believe we were in San Jose. I think I think that was where we were at. It was Alex Riley, Joe Henning, Mr. Perfect Son, and I. The final three. When we arrived, we're thinking the NXT season, the stuff we've been doing for television is going to be consistent. Okay, so we're going to be in the ring probably doing matches, whether it's against each other or against the, the higher guys on the roster. So we get there, and they tell us that we have to get checked by the athletic commission. So we're like, okay, no problem. We go get and check. We've gotten checked by the athletic commission, and then they tell us to, to go check the, I think, the by Gorilla, where they have the information. What they wanted us to do was a similar thing to uh, 
Brawl for All, which happened during the Attitude Era. Now, the thing was, they wanted us to box each other without even discussing it with us first. So we're under contract to be in the ring. But then instead of being wrestlers, they want us to be boxers. And I told them, I'm like, wait a minute. Nobody told us that they wanted us to box each other. If I wanted to fight, I could have easily stayed in Japan and fought for pride. Whose idea was this? So now they tell me, well, guess whose idea was this? Ah, okay. So I let Jen Bloodsworth, the only female rider, I let her know. They're thinking they're going to spring this up on us. We've been training at FCW, doing our rounds, doing what we need to do. Everybody's good to each other. But then now, you want to make us box each other on TV? Is he trying to turn this into a shoot? Like he really wants us to fight. So she goes, let me go talk to him. All right. So Jen goes and talks to him. And she goes, be ready by this time so we can all have a meeting. Like, okay, let's do it. So we get pulled into this room. <clears throat> And it's me, Alex Riley, Jen Bloodsworth, Joe Henning, who are waiting on Vince. Vince comes in and he says, I heard you guys had some questions. I'm like, yep. I want to find out, do you want us to work this or do you want us to go in? Because if you want us to work this, I know how to make everybody look good. I'm trained. But if you want us to do this for real, we didn't sign up for that. You didn't talk to us. Now, I offered to make it work. He dismissed us saying, thank you. We're going to think about it. Or I'm going to think about it. All right. Come back later. The idea was scrapped. So now on NXT, instead of seeing the guys that are supposed to be on NXT, you get three segments of Cody Rhodes versus MVP. At this stage, I got more experience than the both of them, but you're sticking them on the part of the event that I'm on. And they're taking airtime away from the other two you've been trying to build. So you see, there's a lot of counterproductivity going on that doesn't make any sense because nobody's telling Vince, no. Everybody's worried about getting paid. All right, but I, I got to stop you there, Loki, because you, you described the situation in which, in wrestling, which is predetermined outcomes, it's an exhibition, it's not in a competitive. To the fight. entertainers, that's where you got to be careful. You're an observer, I'm a participant. This is a different world. I'm a professional wrestler being asked to show up somewhere. If you've looked at my output, it's been rather consistent in regards to just sticking with in-ring stuff. I don't do too much of the outside theatrics. But for them to spring up that we're just going to fight each other. Now, when we got dismissed, that wasn't the end of it. When we got dismissed, it took some time. It got scrapped. And they went with uh, Cody and they went with MVP. Find out later the reason why it got scrapped, but we were in the clear. And I got to give it to her. This is the one that I respected the most. Jen Bloodsworth. She told Vince, if you make them fight each other, I'm going to quit. And Vince didn't want to lose her. So he was going to be willing to just sit and try to let us just hurt each other just for shits and giggles. But how is that human trafficking, Loki? You, you weren't forced to do it. But you're missing the point of these are people 
who are trying to better their lives, and I'm not being paid to box. We're getting checked by the Athletic Commission as if we're going to box today, which is not what we've been signed for. That's a misleading application of what we've been doing. So you're telling me I'm training an FCW to do this. Then I get to television, and this is confirmed by the FCW coaching staff. What we teach you here can get flipped all together once you get there because of Vince. So this is a direct line to the boss of him telling us, you're going to come here for this, but then when we arrive, no, you're going to do this. And the thing is, you're mistaking the fact that we're not immigrants from another country, or we're not necessarily destitute like some other people, but we're still being misled and we're still being abused in a manner that is non-professional. But look at the things that are coming out now. Now, I don't have to say anything other than look at the evidence from the men and the women who have left. I've tried not to say anything really bad about the WWE other than anything that was quite obvious, but there are some things that are just from observation without words you can put together. You're taking people from one location to the next. They are not necessarily treated correctly. A lot of the times in the past, because you didn't have the attention, you didn't have cell phones, you didn't have cameras, you didn't have the internet. There was treatment of men and women who would be considered illegal right now that was tolerated and was allowed. From my personal experience, without anybody telling me, I'm literally being told to show up to do one thing and then being told, no, you're doing this instead. And then when you resist, you're being punished in a variety of ways to try to gain compliance. All right, I want you I want you to I want you to hold that thought for a second low key. Let me let me come in for a second on this because the United States Department of Justice they define human trafficking as also known as as trafficking in persons. It's a crime that involves compelling or coercing a person to provide labor or services or to engage in commercial sex acts. The coercion can be subtle or overt, physical or psychological. Now, when I go down to vulnerabilities, it does talk about, uh, although there is no defining characteristic that all human trafficking victims share, traffickers around the world frequently prey on individuals whose vulnerabilities, including poverty, limited English proficiency, or lack of lawful immigration status. And there's also a lack of stable, safe housing and limited economic and educational opportunities. Trafficking victims are deceived by false promises of love, a good job, or a stable life, and are lured or forced into situations they are made to work under deplorable conditions with little or no pay. Okay, so, so, so based on what I just said there, and listening to what you just described, you were asked to engage in, in a real competitive physical fight. And like you said, you, you walked into the building not expecting that you would have to do something like that. You were coerced. But ultimately, you found a way to get it to go away, or, or rather, Jen Bloodsworth, as you, you name names here. She, she put her job on the line in order to um, convince the office not to force you folks to engage in labor practices that weren't mutually agreed upon beforehand. These are very serious uh, allegations here. Very serious allegations. So, so this is your first, what I asked you directly, have you ever 
personally witnessed human trafficking in the WWE, and that's the first thing you brought up. That's a big one. Have there been any other instances that you want to speak on? There's a long-standing history that has allowed it to achieve the level that it has achieved at this point. In order for you to understand that, you must understand the roots of where it came from, the carnival. The carnival is a salesmanship environment because X marks the spot. That's the reason why they called you guys marks, fans. It's a derogatory term because they don't respect you as people. They mark you as like a target to extract. So now with Vince McMahon, with his family, that's an entire family and multiple generations worth of people who've lived this lifestyle and have benefited from the hard work of the men and women who have gone through this entire time. Now, before all the real camera work got done, meaning social media and people being so vocal the way they are now, there are elements of men and women in the past that have openly stated of the abuse. So if that's the case, do you think much has changed? If the same people in charge are still there? Now, in the past, if you don't understand the carnival culture, in the past, these men and women had to travel from place to place, and they had to put on a show to grab the attention of the locals, keep it long enough for them to make some money, and then move on. The traveling circus. I understand this because I've been around long enough to be classically trained. But people who consider themselves fans now, they don't really have an understanding for the previous history because what you see on television is heavily edited to avoid the negative stuff. So it's almost like there's history that is there, but if you have to dig for it, most people don't care. Especially if it's going to change the impression of what you have of certain things. Now, I've said this before, that it's like a soft version of human trafficking. But if you listen to the men and women speak on their own behalf, and you start looking at the definitions of how this is defined, then you start looking at it a little differently. Now, I guess the old saying, when, when people are being abused, they start crying out for help in a variety of ways. Well, how many suicides did we have in like the mid-2000s? People overdosing on drugs. How many people self-destructed? After WWE, or how many, and nothing against them, because that's not the only line of uh, line of business that this turns into. The de degradation of the environment, of the individuals in the environment, what do you think that's going to do to them? Especially if you're putting them out on a stage to degrade or to be embarrassed. Then they're trying to, to build themselves back up outside the ring or away from work. And they're still getting hit with that because that's how they're known. But what people are not seeing is what is leading to these things and what is leading to, to this wild behavior. Now, was that the most professional environment? Absolutely not. But you do have some stand-up people in there. The sad part is they're being held because of their money, so they're not going to try to fight. I've had people come to me about things that happen that probably shouldn't, but it's because it's the nature of the environment. You have people who will turn on each other inside the company, especially when they feel threatened. So if somebody's going to go talk, they want to try to keep them quiet. Now, a question to ask would be, and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody other than the subject matter, which would be Vince. If Vince got in trouble for, didn't he get in trouble for the non-disclosure that ended up becoming public? That's a fact. That was the reason why he had to step down from 
the WWE initially and Okay, so if that happened at this stage, do you think that's the only non-disclosure agreement that's ever been signed there? I mean, it's it's improbable. Mm-hmm. But just just from just an observer standpoint, and if there's a history of not favorable uh, not favorable conversation from previous experience of being there by the participants. You see, I'm trying to be careful with the words not to look like I'm trying to personalize it. I, I'll say this. There are people who, through the years, have, have I've had conversations with who have told me a lot of things that they've seen, some who have experienced. And based on that information, I am comfortable in saying that I believe it's improbable that this is the only NDA that existed in that company related to Vince McMahon. Okay. Now, if that's the case, then there should be a, a concern there. Isolate an incident? Okay. That can always happen. More than once? Hmm. They always say absolute power corrupts absolutely. There's nobody there to, to say no. What do you think is going to happen? Especially if you're the one who changed the game, made the most money, put other businesses out of business, crushed the opposition, took over the, the global scale. And then now you're able to recruit the public rather than go recruit wrestlers because you make the public come to your performance centers. So master, he's a master at business. He's a master carny. But they kind of have to be that way in order for you not to see what they don't want you to see. Now, I believe the story was with Snooker from uh, Dark Side of the Ring, where it said somebody showed up with a briefcase to the police station and then everybody walked out. Yeah, that was that was documented in Dark Side of the Ring, yeah. If that is true, that's another point of concern because these are leading behaviors into a different realm than what the public is seeing. So the men and the women, now this becomes a concern because if that office person was involved to that degree... This is an older man in the later stages of his life after an incredible amount of success for himself and his family. What happened 10 years earlier, 15 years earlier, 20 years earlier, when healthy enough and energetic enough to do things better than he can do now? Is the discipline there? Probably not especially during the, the 1990s where the suspicion of steroids, they were able to dodge that bullet, but then later on you hear everybody talking about it. So there's a lot of repeated negative history without trying to beat Vince down, because again, he's going to have to be proven in a court of law. But you start seeing patterns. And that's the hard part, because people feel good watching what they're watching, they don't want to face the reality that they could be contributing to the negative stuff because it makes them feel good. It's not supposed to be making them feel bad. But in the process, those men and women are not necessarily being treated the way that professionals should be treated. And that's only because it's an old culture. It's an old culture of operation and an old culture of behavior in this particular realm. This realm Again, the entertainers are using the ring as a false setting for them to get away with what they're doing. You don't go to school to go through thumbtacks and glass. You don't go to school to sit here and cut promos for 20 minutes. You go to school to wrestle. But instead of seeing who's the best of the best, people want to entertain because it's a shortcut less work. 
But then what you're doing is you're inviting a lesser attitude towards what they're doing. And then, well, if you're going to do that, I can go ahead and do all that all you want. I'm going to do this over here. I'm going to try to find a faster way. Well, then now it's starting to create that type of environment that you got to be careful with. Because you don't want your people selling themselves. That's what it turns into. So instead of merit-based, they're thinking on survival, which is that hustler's mentality. Oh, I got I to gotta do what I got to do to eat. Okay, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have to hurt other people in the process. And the sad part is, me, even with the stuff I've gone through, I'm still relatively healthy. I'm, I've taken good care of myself compared to the men and women in the past. Like one of the saddest things was me trying to explain to my girls about Sonny. Sonny was on top of the world in the 1990s. She's not there anymore. And that's sad. Because it didn't have to be that way. But these men and women are crying out for a variety of reasons. And the public is none the wiser because they're focused on what makes them feel good. Even though some of these men and women have been crying out for a long time, trying to give everybody the heads up. Did you read the uh, Janelle Grant lawsuit? No. Did you read any of the articles about the details at all? No. The minute you asked about speaking about it, I just I'm ready to go. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Because there's a there's a lot of detail in there, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of. Um, Specifics, it appears that Miss Grant has saved text messages mm-hmm. from Vince McMahon, possibly from uh, uh, John Laurinaitis. Mm-hmm. And what she's alleging is essentially a situation where she was being pimped, for, for lack of a better term. I don't think that's a legal term. They, they, they're, they're using uh, sex trafficking in order to describe it, but in... in my opinion, uh, based on what was described and, and detailed, it's pimping, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. You're you're going to have relations with whomever I tell you to have relations with, and, and there is going to be some value to that. There's something that I'm getting in return for that. And that's not a surprise, because he does that to the wrestlers. If you ain't going to do it, I'm going to find somebody who will. So, I mean, it's another version of that, but it's without anyone really explaining it. That's what I'm saying. Some of the things are simply observable. And if you're older and more mature or just you understand things in a a more uh, complete way, you'll be able to see these things a little more outright. And it's hard because, again, it's under the, the frame of enjoyment. But it's no different than if you go past into the past of Hollywood where the people who make the public happy, they're being abused. Or there are things going on that are not really like what they seem to the public. Do you personally know of of anything that's risen to that degree in that company? I mean, especially while you were there. The degree of, of, of literal pimping, for lack of a better term. Well, what do you think the the concept of asking these men and women to do these absurd things in a degrading process or application in public. That's a humiliation process. What type of business does a humiliation process in public of their employees, of their workers, of their staff, of their assets? What is the point of a humiliation process? Now with me, I took that when I went to NXT and they stuck me in a pink shirt. I thought that was the soft version of what they do in Hollywood. They want to stick to dudes in a dress. So you people today may not think anything of it. <clears throat> My era, I see what you guys are doing. You're trying to see what you could get away with. Okay. Let's see how long this lasts. Because they're going to see what they can get away with. And if they know they can't, then they'll stop. But that's not how everyone behaves there. And when you got that money in that sense, uh, in that scale, I should say, 
that's going to change people's behavior, especially depending on what they need. If these men and women are trying to provide for a better life, have you ever spoken to some of these people? Some of these people come from dirt poor areas. They get a chance to make a couple of thousand dollars a night and provide for their families. They're going to try to ride that thing as long as they can. Even if that means starting to embarrass themselves. Even if that means starting to degrade themselves. Even if that means starting to act like a clown and be silly, even though they really want respect. They're doing a humiliation process to a lot of these men and women to see what they can get away with because it makes them more compliant. They're more compliant. They're going to follow orders. They're going to be able to control them. It's different now because you have a different generation of people in that company that didn't grow up in the same manner as the ones before. So they're not going to have the same attachment. But it doesn't change the fact that they may not necessarily be treating the people the correct way, but not necessarily everyone has the ability to say something about that. Because I'm pretty sure, at least from my experience, the way the contracts are structured, they do try to cover their butt from a legal standpoint, from recourse. So you got to understand, these are people, and I, I try to explain this to my students, the carnies are not dumb. They're clever. Just because somebody has that southern twang or, or they sound silly or, or they don't necessarily sound like they could be intelligent, yeah, don't ever think that they're stupid. They need to survive. And they need to survive in a variety of ways if they can't do it on merit. So in entertainment, it's not merit. It's whatever gets the crowd moving. And that's the hard part because it's under the backdrop of a wrestling ring. And unfortunately, what you guys see now is a, is a lower in-ring skill. And that's not fair. But in the sense of the trafficking part, again, it's misleading these people to arrive under the context of one thing and then changing, changing plans on them. Well, now they're already there. Now what? Are they just going to get up and go home and lose the, the chance to make their money? No. Most of them wouldn't. So now they're in a bind. They're being held by their money. So it's like, this is the adult world, but this is the negative side of what people don't see. You know, it's interesting. Uh, the WWE on their on their corporate website, and it's something that I've noticed, geez, going back at least 10 years now, that they've posted. That's not to say that it, it's only been there for 10 years. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm under the impression that it's been there longer than that based on their um, public history, going public as a publicly traded company. But what they have listed is WWE is an equal opportunity affirmative action employer and is subject to federal regulations pertaining to employment. In your experience within the company, both uh, what you've experienced personally and both what you've, and, and what you've seen, even what you've heard, do you feel that at that time this statement uh, is true? And, and the reason why I ask that question is because Ms. Grant detailed in her lawsuit that for doing these these sex acts, she was given gifts, she was given raises, she was given promotions. And I know speaking off the record with other people in corporate, especially who were in corporate when she was there, they weren't getting those things. And they were very upset about the fact that the lady who they all knew was fooling around with the boss was getting rewarded large bouquets of flowers every other week and 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 fifteen thousand dollar gift cards to bloomingdale's and all kinds of things um they weren't getting that despite the fact that they were actually doing work something that even she admits she didn't have much work to do so i'm asking you directly as somebody who was under contract who was there do you feel that they were an equal opportunity employer at that time in which time? Because I was there twice. I was there from the early 2000s in WWF 
from 2000 to 2002 doing darks, but I was on television. So it was that era. And then the most recent one, which would be 2009, 2010. Well, were you, were you under contract when you were doing the darks? I wasn't contracted, but in the Northeast, I was a regular and I was being treated like with respect by the roster. Well, both start start off with the when you, your first run there, and then we'll go to the second run. The attitude era. As long as you can get busy in the ring, everybody respected you. Nobody seemed to be wild in regards to the locker room, other than the the adult males in a locker room goofing each other. Like even at one point, I don't know if it was my first or my second time being there. I was practicing the tiger spin in the ring, which is the tiger mask faint through the ropes, the 619. Vince was walking through and just stopped and looked and goes, ha, I could do that and walks away. So even at that time, no disrespect. It was just casual respect for people who got busy. So the era was different. You had more adults. You had more people who were, um, I guess, more firm in their job titles and the environment. In 2009, 2010, this is a completely different environment full of different people with the exception of the, the coaching staff and then the, the people who are in management um, on the road, which is now the older wrestlers. Now, as far as the equal opportunity stuff, <clears throat> it seemed more equal opportunity at the earlier stages in the Attitude Era because everybody was more skilled. So everybody understood business differently than they do now. Now, as far as equal opportunity, they're appealing to that by who they hire. But at the same time, I'll give you this as an observational example. While I was there, there were people on the road as far as a male. One guy was on, was on the road and he could barely pay his rent while working on the road. However, one of the females, who was not a wrestler, who doesn't train during the week, was telling me the amount of money that she was spending on clothing a month, which was nearly four to five times more than what that guy was making. And that guy was in the ring on a super low level and was getting uh, pushed for TV time. So, what kind of indication is that <clears throat> when the obvious, which is whatever tasks you're given for work, are not being completed, yet you're capable of describing the funding for your clothing while in this environment, no one really has that type of funding available to them. It seems like you have support in some way. And that seems uncommon with who they sign at that time. Nobody was really coming from money. You were either signing uh, wrestlers who'd been around and have earned a reputation, so now you're going to move them on to TV, or these are, are people that were found or recruited from somewhere. The wrestlers, for the most part, were being recruited from events, being in the ring. The females, however, the recruitments that, that started changing and instead of being female wrestlers, they were starting to have uh, contests. So from being qualified in ring, it changed to appearance. And that's where you have the different generations of females being in the ring in the, in the different eras of the, yeah. the company. The WWF, you had Lita and Trish. They had to work their butts off to earn respect amongst all those people. You fast forward, it's not the same caliber. It's not. But it doesn't change the fact that these men and women are still being misled as far as one idea being presented and then something else is occurring. I was literally told that by the coaches. I was given the book, The 48 Laws of Power, and told to read it because this is what I'm going to face while being up on the road. 
And sure enough, it was. The difference between me and everyone else, I'm not playing any games. So I wasn't going to read the book and try to manage or, or manipulate my way to the top. I'm too honest for that. So I didn't read the book until after I left. After I left, I could start pinpointing experiences. So when you have people of authority that have no limitation on that, sometimes they get out of hand and it leads to a degradation of the environment because there's nobody saying no. How do we change what clearly is a, a issue that has been recent? I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're talking as recently as 2022 and Vince McMahon literally just left TKO which he was the chairman of the board. Uh, he was responsible for UFC and WWE, which means he still was in a very powerful position. The other thing a lot of people don't realize is that he still owned stock. He was still one of the, the top investors in the company, even though he didn't have the majority stock anymore. So that type of power, that type of influence, it remained until uh, literally last Saturday, <laughs> Sunday, when he when he resigned uh, and divested completely from the company, which means he got a big fat golden parachute on his way out. And again, I want to make sure I'm clear on something here. Everyone's innocent until proven guilty. There is a a a lawsuit that has been filed in the United States District Court, uh, Connecticut region. So that is also a civil. It's not a criminal matter. It's a civil matter. So that has to go through its process and, and either will determine innocence or, or, or guilt uh, based on what evidence is presented and what can be proven. But if what has been charged is actually true in any way, shape or form, this has been going on since a couple of days ago, even the spirit of it. What has to happen in order to clean that up and change that type of culture in that company? Expose them. All of them. There's a negative history that I've been warning everybody about. There's two histories here. The sport in ring, where you're looking at the actual skill of the men and the women in the ring. That's what everybody wants. They want that type of respect. As being high-level athletes, fighters, they, they want to be the Olympians. However, when you're willing to engage the entertainment, it's no longer merit-based. So now you're going for people who need to work on shock value. They're trying to spike your emotion. They're trying to lead you on a, on a journey. You know, the roller coaster ride of emotion. Because it's a show. So if they're not qualified for their jobs, they're going to do other things. And when they do that, a lot of the times it's not as skillful as just strictly merit. So you're, you're dealing with a, a lesser performance, a lesser quality, but then that's being advocated because the people are being controlled by their money. They're being coerced in a variety of ways. Um, and all they're trying to do is, is make that money for them and their family. And again, a lot of them are coming dirt poor. So before people want to start jumping on indie wrestlers and saying all this shit about them, like Randy Orton in 2017, running his mouth about making $5 million while the guys on the roster were, were indie wrestlers. Yeah, asshole. A lot of these guys didn't have their dad get them a job. And then you're going to talk about money as if that's just going to sit there in your bank account forever. Like you're just inviting yourself to get somebody stealing that shit because you're drawing attention to it. That's just irresponsible behavior, but that comes with the territory of just looking down upon people. When you create that type of environment, what do you think it's going to breed? And I got nothing against Randy, so, but you, you get out of hand like that, somebody got to say something. And when everyone's worried about their money, because they think if they say something to Randy and Randy goes and complains to Vince, they're gone. Look at what happened to Kennedy. So it's an environment where people are walking on eggshells because they're trying to get to that level where, hey, they can try to get to a Randy Orton. But they can't because they got to be real careful because of the way that the culture of that place is. 
It's not a culture based off of merit. It never has been. The only way it came up to that was during the Attitude Era because you had the baddest dudes in there together. Everybody's trying to mimic that, but they don't understand how long of a process that was to take to get to. Then when you have highly developed people from multiple sources coming together, that's when you get the magic. But people are disregarding the the negative stuff because it's being masked by the enjoyable stuff. And that's the hard part. People don't want to, they don't want to dwell on the negative because they like this. They want to have fun with this. It looks like the people in the ring are having fun. They want to have fun too. But it's the same, it's a very similar story to the Hollywood style. The men and women who are on stage in front of the public, they may look happy. They may look like they're doing a great job and they're invested in what they're doing. But there's things going on that you guys don't see and In a variety of ways, they try to cry out, but it gets drowned out. It gets disregarded. And I've been around long enough to have the people that I've respected and I've traveled with. They've killed themselves. So, you know, having a long-standing understanding for the history of this type of environment, you got to understand there's two histories. The entertainment side is one history. The sports side, more so like the Japanese style and the earlier Mexican style, that was all athleticism, competition. This is what everyone's trying to mimic with the UWFI style, catch style, Barnett and Bloodsport. So, again, there's there's a, a, a mislead uh, a misleading going on because of the presentational uh, uh, environment. Entertainment is done on the backdrop of a ring. That's sports entertainment. Professional wrestling, these men and women can simply show you skill. And because of what they're showing you, that's your entertainment. Skillful competition. But when you start going into the other stuff that's not merit-based, that's when you start finding who's for sale. So you're inviting that. So in order to fix the environment, it's easy. They have to be qualified for the levels that they're on. Simply put, I I ask this to people in New Zealand. What gives you the right to put your hands on somebody else? A lot of these people can't even answer that. They just, oh, I'm just here because I'm getting paid. So there's no guarantee that you're even going to be safe with the people you're working with. But this gentleman over here, the boss, he's the one who's putting everyone here together saying, hey, you're going to wrestle because this is the environment. And then when you get there, you guys are going to box. Wait a minute. I'm not a boxer. I can fight if you want me to, but I didn't sign. I didn't come here to WWE to box. And you're telling me, like, I got to do it. And then now, because I'm not going to do it, you take all of our TV time that you were designating for us. And you give it to people who don't need it right now. So, again, it's, a, it's something that's been in, in open view for a long time, but it's the connection of the observer. People don't understand because they're looking at the entertainment. They're looking at the enjoyment. But there's men and women over time who've constantly tried to speak up. And it's happened time and time again. They just disregard it. Let's talk hydration. See, I carry something to drink with me every single place that I go because I am concerned about being dehydrated. It runs in the family. Everything from dry mouth, dizzy spells, fainting, it's pretty serious. And I've tried all the different types of waters and sports drinks. Let me tell you something right now. Liquid IV. That has been the most efficient at keeping me hydrated and doing so pretty quickly. Okay, Liquid IV has five essential vitamins and is two times faster at keeping you hydrated than water alone. And I'm serious, man. Everything from vitamin C to vitamins B3, B5, B6, B12. Liquid IV also is non-GMO, so it's free from gluten, dairy, soy. So for all you folks out there with food allergies, this may be right up your alley. And I know what you're thinking, but how does it taste, Duke? Well, tastes pretty good. Okay, we're talking my favorite in pina colada, 
They also have tropical punch, strawberry, new flavors like sea berry and strawberry lemonade. You can enjoy this stuff, man, but don't take my word for it. I want you to stop what you're doing right now and head over to liquidiv.com. Use the promo code Duke Loves Wrestling so you get 20% off your entire order. I mean, anything that you order on liquidiv.com. So what are you waiting for? It's time for you to shop better hydration today. Use the promo code Duke Loves Wrestling over at liquidiv.com. Save yourself 20%. Stay hydrated. Most importantly, enjoy life. That's right. Be kind to yourselves and be kind to others. Duke Loves Wrestling, Facebook, Gmail. Let me know what you think. Twitter, Duke Loves Wrestling. Take it away, Tony Schiavone. This is Tony Schiavone, and we're definitely out of time on Duke Loves Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs>